Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Odds, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to another episode of Out of Oz, a Building 28 church podcast in a way you're not used to seeing it because we're doing something a little different for a couple videos. We've got a multi-part series we're going to try here where we actually get some insight from someone who's thoughtful, who's smart, who's been in our shoes before and now is no longer in our shoes. So we're going to try something different here and see how everybody likes it that listens or watches Um this show because we want to kind of bring in a different voice. A lot of times we have people on the show that are like-minded, whether it's Powers or Danny or whoever comes on the show and kind of ask questions. We try to think through things. We try to bring questions that people that disagree with us. I know recently you've done a podcast with some people that do disagree with you. Yet to be Um, released, but yeah. Yes, yet to be released. But so we're going to try a little bit more of that because we think it brings a different perspective and we think different perspectives and diverse thought is good for learning. And that's what we're really trying to do together as a community and everybody watching and us individually. And I would just, I'll, right from the jump here, I will say, if you're unfamiliar with the person that Peter's going to set up here in a second, um, he is a, he's a well-known former professing Christian, strong professing Christian, thoughtful Christian, uh, gospel-centered, reform, work campus crusade for Christ. But you might be like, well, I don't know who this is, so this is not relevant to me. The reason we're addressing this is because deconstruction really through the uh, through the channel of media is on the rise across Christianity Day, or at least it is on the rise as far as how we can see it and we perceive, we know that this is happening. And so you're going to run into people like Rhett, who we're about to talk to, who have thoughtfully deconstructed uh, and unraveled their faith, and now they're no longer Christians. They start to pick apart beliefs that they once held, a relationship with Christ that seemingly they once had. And now they're not Christians anymore. And we need as Christians to know how to kindly, compassionately, thoughtfully answer these questions that people have and respond, not only for their souls, which is very important, but for our own, because doubts begin to start to creep in upon us. And so that's why we're doing this. And we're utilizing a guy who has a huge YouTube following, who's really well known um, in the media world. And so with that said, that's the case for this. So don't cut it off just because you don't know who this is or you haven't watched this before. And just to give a little background on Rhett and Link, specifically, we're going to talk about Rhett, but Link also posted a similar video about how he deconstructed and he's no longer an evangelical Christian. We're going to get into all the reasons why he did this, but they started a show called Good Mythical Morning. They have 18.1 million subscribers on that channel. They have a really cool story. Actually, they failed a bunch of times doing other things in the media world. And then they did, they've done this show for like over 10 years, grown it into a huge company with hundred over a hundred employees. So it's really big, but they, and a lot of it is kind of fun. You know, what's the best chicken sandwich? What's the best fast food restaurant? They do some rankings and stuff like that. A lot of it's fun. It's not really a serious show, but they started a side channel called Ear Biscuits, which has yeah. another 475,000 subscribers where they talk about more in-depth topics. And that is where it's more of a podcast type of thing. And that is where they posted this video called Rhett's Spiritual Deconstruction. And it's important to talk about this. And one of the reasons we think it's really important to talk about it on this podcast and kind of respond to it and talk through it as respectfully as we can is he says it's not 
evangelical. He says he's not trying to convince people of something. But if you look at this video, just on YouTube, I don't know what the podcast downloads are because I'm sure they post it in podcast form. Just on YouTube, it has 2.8 million views. Yeah. 475,000 subscribers, 2.8 million views. On their other channel, their last video has 1 million views and they have 18 million subscribers. So this is a highly viewed video. And if you look through the comments, which there are 7,449 comments, the vast majority of those comments are, thank you so much, Rhett. You helped me through my deconstruction walk. Thank you that there's somebody else out there that believed like I do and helped me get away from it. Thank you for showing me the way to deconstruction. So whether or not he meant it to be evangelical, meaning trying to convince somebody of something, trying to bring people with him to this new belief system, whether or not he meant it that that way, that's what's happening. We are being being shaped and influenced all the time through everything we take in. The the writers that we read after, the blogs that we follow, the, the videos we watch, the media channels that we follow, whatever it is, we are being shaped, we are being influenced, and we are also influencing people. Like everything we do is evangelical. Like if you read a book on um, evolution, for example, that writer is trying to convince you. He's not just saying his thoughts on evolution. He's trying to convince you of why those thoughts are substantive. And I think that's, I would maybe unknowingly, maybe certainly it seems non-purposely. That's what Rhett is doing here is he's trying. He's not just explaining his position. And I don't fault him for this. We all do this sure. in every aspect of our life. But it is at best, it is naive to say, that we're not trying to be evangelical when we put out such a brazen statement of what we believe to be factual about the non-existence of the God of Christianity or Christ himself resurrected or whatever it is. And he doesn't leave a lot of room to be wrong. Yeah. You know, he doesn't leave a lot of room to, I should say, to be wrong in the way that Christianity actually is true. It's kind of like he's talking about how he's figured it out and we want to be as fair as possible to him. Yeah, definitely. And as we go through this video, we are going to show clips you can hear from his own words, because that's the best way to hear what somebody has to say. But we can't play the entire clip. It's an hour and 44 minutes. He did a follow up. So there's two or three hours of content of him talking about this specifically. We are going to try to show clips to talk about specific objections or things that he has found where he feels like this is really strong evidence against Christianity. And therefore, that's how I deconstructed and why I deconstructed. But let's hear from him why he did this in the first place, he opened up kind of talking about how he was nervous, you know, bringing your spirituality and what you believe religiously into the public eye is something that's nerve wracking for somebody that has so much exposure. So he started with that, but let's hear why he decided to do it even above all of those uh, issues that he may have had with it. Particularly with, with telling my story, the thing that I just wanna be very clear about is that uh, I am not here to judge where you're at currently, right? So when you tell a story and you're like, I used to believe this and now I no longer believe that and here's why. If you still believe that, then you may think there's implicit judgment in what you think. Um, And I wanna say that that is not my intention um, and I'm just trying to be as honest about my own situation as possible and approach this with as much humility as possible. So that. Um, It is gonna get detailed and I'm trying, I really try to condense it down, but this is a, this is a, like a years long process. This is, we're going back, I'm going back basically 20 years and kind of telling a lot of different things that happen. But I'm gonna, this is not gonna be as detailed as some of you might want it to be, and it's gonna be more detailed than some of you want it to be. Okay. All right, so he says, he wants to make sure that in telling this story, you don't feel judged. He is not judging you. 
first, I'm going to ask you, do you agree with that? And I think in order to say whether or not you agree with it when listening to this whole video of whether or not he's judging other people is what is your definition of judgment and judging people? It's a dirty word in religious circles. I mean, I think what I think in fairness to him, what he means probably by it is I'm not coming down to you. I'm not speaking out of hatred against you. I'm not disavowing you like I I can still be friendly with you. And that's good. Like that's that's the good side of this is that and he accomplishes that. Yeah, I think he does. And we would feel the same way toward him. Like I would love to have a conversation with him. I would you know, I have no animosity toward him. We're all on a journey of hopefully trying to uncover what the truth is. And we believe he arrived at a wrong point and he believes we've arrived at a wrong point. And that's the, the good side of judgment. And I don't think that's what he's talking about. Because whenever you you posit a position, unless you just don't have a position at all, which he is dangerously close to actually at the end when he says, I'm a hopeful agnostic. It's like, I'm hoping, but I don't know what, what's going to happen, what is out there, anything like that. But if you, if you take a position, even against something, he doesn't take one necessarily for a lot of like what could be out there, or what the way of salvation is or anything like that. But when he starts to take positions against Christ and against the God of the Bible and against salvation as it is and against the condemnation of the God of the Bible, you are automatically ostracizing, at least in belief, people. That doesn't mean like you have to be hateful toward them. That doesn't mean, but to say that there's no judgment and then yet take a position will, will certainly, um, it, well, it certainly alienate certain people from your value system of belief. It depends on what people think too in reaction and how we are when somebody disagrees with us, because I think that's really important. So if his definition is, I don't judge you, meaning I don't hate you if you disagree with me, I agree with him and I think he accomplishes Mm -hmm. that. But the way I define judgment in my world, since I am a lawyer, and what judges do in real life is two people make arguments and a judge decides who is correct. Exactly. Who wins, who loses, who's right, who's wrong. And I do think he does that as well, right? Because he looks at the Christian aspect of, you know, science and old earth, new earth, and we're going to get into all that versus the secular worldview. And he comes to the conclusion that after judging these two worldviews, I'm on the secular side. Yeah. So he does make that call. And if people want to fight with him or get mad at him about that, I don't think they should, but he is making a judgment call here on For what sure. he believes is true. For sure. And I mean, something else is, and he doesn't, I don't think he does this purposely. And obviously he's an intelligent guy, but there are points where he begins to I think anyway, lump all Christians into the same, well, mm-hmm. all Christians believe right. this way or all Christians see creation this way. or And that's just not, that's not the truth. Like there's a, a vast difference of opinion, especially in the last hundred years of Christianity from the 1900 years of Christianity preceding it when it comes to some of these scientific issues or historical or archaeological issues or whatever it might be. Believe, even belief systems that the church now holds in the last 80 years, the church didn't historically hold to Necessary. We're not talking about foundational stuff, but it's it, that is important. Is I think conversely, it's important for us as Christians to go. We're not going to lump all deconstructionists, Correct. all non-Christians into the same category. People are nuanced and they're different, and they approach information differently. And so, while I feel like he might need to be careful with that, we also need to be careful with that as well. And I think that's important because you guys have already done deconstruction podcasts before, yeah. generally speaking, which I think it's kind of fun to look at and enlightening to look at somebody specifically, like what happened with their story? What did they, instead of lumping it all together or talking about it generally or saying, some people think this, some people think that this is one dude that went through the whole process himself. And like we said, he could have been on this podcast in his previous life. We'd welcome him on now, obviously too. But I'm saying in his previous life, he could have sat there with you in powers and probably been right there with you guys. He seems very educated, thoughtful, well-spoken, 
was in this world, you know, was a missionary, was doing all sorts of things in his life that, you know, would have fit right in with the people that we do have on this podcast. So I liked what you just said about not all Christians believe the same way and talking about certain things that we hold tight to and hold loosely, I think is the terms you like to use when you explain this, because the first objection he has and really talks about is old earth versus new earth. Um, And let's hear what he has to say. And then you can kind of explain how Christians have looked at this throughout history. Basically, this was learning that there was all this evidence that kind of pointed pretty clearly to the earth being old and then realizing that there was a really large contingent of Christians who just denied that and didn't believe that. It was alarming. It was alarming for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, maintaining that young earth view, it requires sort of dismissing or reinterpreting a lot of evidence that has been gathered, right? Uh, and you got this this sort of this big umbrella of Christianity and the whole idea is that we've got the truth. The whole point is we have the ultimate truth, right? As Christians, you know, God has revealed the ultimate truth to us. This, this is what I believed. But yet within that camp, there are these two wildly different perspectives on basically the entire natural world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, something about this is alarming because this isn't as clean as I thought it was. Okay, there's a lot There's a lot in that clip, in my opinion, to talk about. Yeah. And I, let's separate it into two parts. Let's first talk old earth, new earth, and then let's talk about the fact that he said God has revealed the ultimate truth to Christians, and therefore the fact that we can't agree on old earth and new earth, then everything else falls apart. Yeah. So let's start with old earth, new earth. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. Clearly he read a ton of stuff. Like he talks about this in the podcast. So I kind of made it my mission when I first watched this podcast to buy all the books that he referenced and read them over the course of a couple months. And fascinating information. Some of them I thought were really, really good. Francis Collins book, um, which we'll we'll kind of get to on, he literally is the guy who mapped the the human genome. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's a, he is a Christian uh, believes in theistic evolution, right? Um, but strong Christian guy. Uh, Rhett came down on a different perspective than Francis Collins did with that. Um, but to me to say, well, Christians just all, this is this is one of those examples I was talking about earlier where he just seems to take Christians and put them all together that we all, and we always have all across the world, across the last 2000 years, believed in a young earth, literal six day creation. Now there are, strong, intelligent Christians who believe that. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't deride them. I, I, I wouldn't marginalize them. They would believe the earth was created with age, with maturation. Now, then you have to start trying to answer the question of why would God do that? Like, why would he create it like that? But that's, that's kind of like trying to answer the question of why would he create Adam a man instead of an infant? Like, we don't know fully, but that doesn't disqualify that that might have taken place. However, if you study the early church fathers, you study the writings of Augustine, Origen, Tertullian, um, Justin Martyr, they none of them believed in a literal six-day creation, young earth, as we have come to know it over the last... This is really a one of those relatively new 150, 170-year beliefs of Christians where we're saying, oh, the earth is, the earth is, you know, that's been, really been on the rise really with Darby and post-Age of Enlightenment. Um, and so... Like to to say that all Christians believe this is just not true. To say that Christians have always believed this is just not true. To say that Christians, you know, discredit science when we believe we we look here, the, philosophically we believe that science can't be a religion in itself. 
which is one of the issues that exists. We'll get to science yeah. specifically yeah. later. And like, what he says we can't, about that. It can't be a religion itself. It's not even set up to do that. Mm-hmm. But we believe we believe in science. We don't believe in scripture in contrast to science. We believe in scripture in conjunction with science, meaning that one of the reasons we verify that scripture is true is because it speaks of scientific realities bef- well before they were ever discovered, before they were ever kind of formalized. And so to... To, you know, when you say the book of Genesis, and we've talked about this on our Q&A podcast before, it does not tell us how old the earth is. Scripture does not make that claim. It doesn't tell us that these were six literal days there in the Hebrew. Um, it doesn't tell us how necessarily in detail creation came to be. And that's another thing I would just say is when you, and I know that you're going to segue to this, but when someone says, well, Christians say they have the ultimate truth, we say we have the ultimate truth about the redemptive narrative that there is a God, a triune God, who has come after fallen creation, has come in flesh, descended in flesh, the second member of the Trinity, to stand as a substitute for his people. That is primarily what we mean. We do not mean the Bible. Historically, even in the Reformation, it was never the Bible has all the answers to everything in life. It doesn't have a lot of the mathematical answers or scientific answers or even historical answers, um, but it has all the answers that we need to be reconciled to God. And so that's what, that's where Christians stand. And so we can't, and I, I, once again, I know he's not trying to do anything shady or whatever, but we can't. As Christians, we can't project that the Bible has every single answer we would ever want. It, it's not going to tell you specifically who to marry. It's not, it doesn't answer certain questions, but it does answer the questions that we need to answer the biggest question of what does it mean to be reconciled back to God while it leaves ambiguous to some degree the end of time and the very beginning of time. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the ultimate question that I was going to ask you at the end is like, what truth what ultimate truth does the Bible reveal to Christians, right? And yeah. let's save that for a second, because yeah, sure. which you've already kind of answered it, but God didn't create minutes to find a minute, to find a second, to find an hour, to find an inch, yeah. to find a foot. I mean, like obviously like, he created that stuff, but he did not create the definition yeah, of that's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like exactly. we, like yeah. we even like Adam naming animals, like we man has done a lot yeah, with what sure. we have. Yeah. Like we've built this room. And this microphone, like man has built this microphone. The Bible didn't tell us how to build a microphone, right? That's not an ultimate truth. This microphone works, hopefully this time. Um, Hopefully. And, you know, it's same thing as like other things we know to be scientifically true, like how a baby is formed in the womb and grows and comes out and grows into be a a full life-size man. Yeah. Like the Bible doesn't explain to us exactly how all of that happens, but we know that it happens. The ultimate truth the Bible explains to us in creationism is that God created man. Okay. And why he created man and, you know, what our purpose is here. Those are the ultimate truths revealed in the Bible that we believe as Christians, not, it's not a, it's not a science book, right? That that's something that I think it would be very easy for, for anything. You could pick apart any part of the Bible a million different ways. If you want to turn it into something that it's not, especially if you're saying it hasn't spoken on something specifically and therefore it's not valid. Right. It'd be different if it was, if it was, testifying about something that we absolutely know for certain is invalid. Like if right. it, if it talked about the, the circulatory process in the body of blood and in a way that is fallacious, completely fallacious, but to be silent on something does not discredit anything. Many, many books, many historical books, many religious books, sacred books are quiet on certain subjects. None of them invalid for that reason. And the Bible's foremost among them and it's just, it's not, it's inconsistent to say that because the Bible doesn't speak on the specificity of creation. And just because Christians for the last 130, 150 years 
have spoken on that dogmatically, that all of a sudden we have to throw that out. The, the, issue, the biggest issue here for those listening or those who are going to be talking about this is nothing that Rhett says here, and I'm going to start arguing as we go along, nothing he says most of the time in any way matters to the Christian faith. Like It doesn't matter if, if you hold a young earth or an old earth, a theistic evolution, day age theory, gap theory, whatever, like none of that matters. The, the, what matters is that God is the one who did it. And it takes just like, I would actually argue logically, it takes more faith to believe it sprung into existence without any designer creator. Yeah. And lots of scientists, even non-Christian scientists have said, that's very valid to think through. That's that very intellectually implausible that this all just happened randomly and oh, that this order sure. came from chaos. And we'll talk more about that. Yeah. Um, so the next thing he gets into is chromosomal evidence for macro evolution. So let's listen to what he has to say. And again, it'll be some similar responses, but I do want sure. him to be able to explain some of the major things that, yeah. that shook his world, basically. This the reason this rocked my world so much is because I was familiar with the argument that you know almost 99% of our DNA is the same as chimpanzees. I, I everybody knows that because the human genome has been mapped. But the you know the creationist answer to that is well yeah I mean God is making he's using the same building materials to make similar things. It's his prerogative how he does it. Have you ever heard a Christian say he's using the same building materials to make things? Like that's that was a weird. I, I had never heard somebody yeah. say that's like did he use I, the same I'm, thing? I am sure there are some, you know, uh, scientists out there who right. say similar things to that, yeah. um, or at least that's Rhett's interpretation more of that. To this clip, I yeah, just, but um, I, I personally haven't heard or read anybody say that like as a legitimate thing. argument. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So of course you're going to look at these this instruction manual and you're going to see that yeah it's kind of the same and then it's sort of different in some key ways like God that's God's prerogative why can't he do that? But that doesn't seem like an adequate explanation to why it definitely feels like and looks like and seems to be very conclusive that we actually have the same chromosomes and they've been fused. That doesn't seem like consistent with the idea that this is just God's prerogative. Yeah, so the, the issue here, once again, we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to enter in and think through this. I personally believe, and I would welcome any conversations that follow from this, obviously with Rhett or with anybody else who's listening, but the, the issue is, is that we bring, psychologists write about this extensively, we bring our bias to the table. So what, what had happened with Rhett, I think clearly, while he did have true devotion, true conviction of sorts, like beliefs, and he talks about a true relationship with Jesus, um, he began to have doubts. And then what happens is- when He we also says this started when he moved to LA. Yes. Like, I think that's yeah. important. He lived in the Bible Belt. Yeah. He was in this Christian world and he moved to LA. And without going into details, I'll say they do follow-up podcasts where they start talking about issues that they have with the Christian faith, which I think that began to spring leaks in the ship. That Then what you do is you take, us, you take you know, to, to stay with that metaphor, you take an ax and try to like beat the ship to death. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of those things. Um, the, the fusing of chromosomes, the replication of using the same materials or structural, once again, whether that is true or not, and there is disagreement in the scientific community around some of these things that he's projecting, okay? Like, and I'm not just talking like Christian versus non-Christian scientific. I'm talking about just the broader scientific community. There's a lot of un, unknown uh, qu questions, like questions that I don't have an answer to them. But what, what, even if it's completely valid, everything he's saying, once again, it does not. Like if you really take a step back, as much as we can from an unbiased perspective and look at this, it does not disprove Christianity. People it hate it. It doesn't Christians unravel it, it doesn't at all. Matter. They absolutely hate that answer when, when we say stuff like it doesn't matter. To me, it's more interesting that our 
whatever chromosomal evidence is so close to chimpanzees yeah. or or uh, uh, monkeys or whatever, yeah. and we're so different. Like to me, that's the wilder thing. To me, it's like how we're that close, and look yeah. at how different everything is. Like, yeah, I mean, but that's when when we say it doesn't matter. Like, obviously, Christians would have the the strongest view that a like Thomas Aquinas, one of the most brilliant philosophers ever, and he kind of coined the phrase that all truth is God's truth. So we're not saying that God isn't the author of all truth. We're just saying he hasn't revealed everything right. to us in scripture. And B, because he's the author of all truth, everything matters consequentially for his honor, his glory. Um, but what we're saying is it doesn't matter to the argument at hand. Right. It doesn't disprove anything to – you can't just gather information and be like, this is true. And therefore, without drawing a straight line, it disproves something else. Like that, that, this information, the red spring doesn't disprove anything. It doesn't, doesn't invalidate scripture. It doesn't invalidate the, the biblical argument. And so we have to be careful with that and really examine the arguments that are being brought, not as to, does it matter this chromosomal evidence in, in some respects, but does it matter to the argument at hand to discredit and deconstruct Christianity? And I also think two, two other things come to mind. First, that when we talk about, like when they talk about going to LA, trying to make it in show business, they were on a cable TV show, or not a cable TV show, they were on some like, I don't know, it was basically like ridiculousness where they re reacted to videos or whatever yeah. on a network TV station, then they ended up going to YouTube and trying to make it in this world in LA. And that is one of the things we talk about a lot where, you know, your Christian kids leaving, people want to call it a bubble on the outside world. We would call it a Christian community, yeah. leaving that, going to LA, going to certain colleges, doing certain things, how it really can affect you. What would your response be to, well, you're just trying to force them into Christianity and hold them back versus like the Bible does warn us about bringing up our children certain ways, keeping them in Christian communities, keeping people that keep them accountable and all that is important. And we can see it playing out in some people's lives. So, so the, the biblical definition of Christianity uh, and the understanding of it is that we are, humanity is born in sin, so born depraved. Therefore, not, we, we obviously need enlightenment and what scripture would call regeneration, but we also need gospel influence in our lives. Mm -hmm. Like people need that. Uh, humanity, and there's no argument here, humanity is born unenlightened. They might be intelligent, but they don't have knowledge. And so anyone, that's why we do academics. That's why children enter school at the age of four or five and they progress through and then make go to college is because we have to learn things as we go. We're not born, we're, Scripture would argue we're born with a knowledge that there is a God, an ambiguous God, unknown God, a creator, but we're not born with the knowledge of exactly who that God is. And so there has to be catechism, there has to be influence. And I would just say, look, while Christians should have bad rap for that, everyone does that. There's no parents in the world who are worth it any degree of salt who don't instruct their children on how to be good citizens on, on what they on believe how, how, to be, how to be moral right? on how to like, be kind to people or whatever their belief system or maybe whatever, their not, values, whatever they believe and however whatever they yeah. think the right way is to act that's what they're going to teach them everyone kids. does that and so to to say that christians and and the thing is is if christians are doing it well like we which we should be like our kids are hopefully going to if they agree with christian principles they're going to be kind and they're going to be considerate mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they're going to agree with everybody and affirm everything doesn't mean they're, they're going to be a christian yeah like, exactly it's not, you can't yeah. force this on them but you can try to keep good influences this in is just lives. another one of those i feel like and i'm not saying red's doing this but i think this happens in the deconstruction conversations where people look for whatever they can to try to pick christians or pick christianity right. apart and so the low-hanging fruit is well you try to indoctrinate or brainwash your children right. We all try to indoctrinate our children. Has, we all teach them stuff. Does like, everybody not say you are who your friends are? You are yeah, who you hang yeah, out exactly, with. Like yeah. that's like an age old yeah. saying. All right, here we go. Next one is on retroviruses. So 
Essentially, there are certain RNA viruses that when you become infected with them, they actually insert a copy of themselves into your DNA. So you can look at your DNA and you can be like, oh, you got that virus at that time. And then occasionally, these viruses, or this sort of retrovirus inside your DNA will be passed down to your children. And that's, that means it's endogenous, it's in your genes. Well, we actually see that we share these endogenous retroviruses with the organisms that we are closely related to. And the more closely related you are to them, the more retroviruses you have in common. Yeah, once, I mean, this, it's, it starts to sound redundant. Once again, for the person listening, for the person formulating the argument, when you talk about retroviruses, and we're about to talk about vestigial structures as well, the, the, the issue is some of this is unknown. Science is always developing. It's always, for lack of a better word, evolving before us. The information is being gathered. The truth is out there. That's why we say all truth is God's truth. We just don't have access to all of it, or we don't know all of it, or we're limited in our capacities. But to use retrovirus, like it seems... And this happens a lot. It seems like Rhett had serious issues and then he's trying to gather data to substantiate those. The, the retrovirus thing is just not. So, yeah. and I, I said there were two points I want to make on the last yeah. one. Yeah. Luckily, these are also similar that it still makes sense here. So yeah. the second point I was going to say is when you talk deconstruction, because yeah. I've heard you talk it before, you say you feel like most people, not to lump everybody together, but most people, and I think Rhett would fall into this, start this process because something happens in their life where they no longer feel like they want to, they don't want to judge somebody if they yeah. disagree with their actions or if the Bible condemns somebody's actions or something that they want to do that the Bible condemns. They're like, I really want to do that. Maybe I can try to disprove the Bible so I can feel less guilty yeah. about doing whatever it is I want to do. And I think he falls into that. And I think he talks about that in other videos when he's like, I'm really proud to not be lumped in with the evangelical Christians anymore yeah. because Trump. Yeah. It's like, Lots of evangelical Christians were not lumped into Trump. Some were lumped into Trump's policies and not what how Trump yeah. acted. Some people, some evangelical Christians were with other people, like other politicians. So I, I definitely think that was part of his yeah. deconstruction story as well. No, I mean, look, and, and that might sound sound unfair. And I know uh, sure. I know that former Christians, professing Christians who are deconstructed will say that's unfair. But the reality is you don't even have to search the Christian world. You can go and you can read anti-theist like Sam Harris, who just wrote a book called Free Will that, that I read through and it's fascinating. And, or Jonathan Haidt, who wrote The Righteous Mind, or these are, these are atheists, these are agnostic thinkers. The, the psychological world out there is saying, we all have these presuppositions and we all carry bias with us. And we would say that's, that's a credit to sin. Like the, that sin has hardwired us. Um, that's not what Harris obviously, or Haidt would say, but we would say, we would agree with their conclusion that we're hardwired a certain way, that we are biased against certain things. And that's why, for example, when you talk, like let's say politically, when you talk to conser a conservative and liberal talk to each other, they could be looking at the exact same information and have completely different takeaways from that. And the conservative looks liberal and goes, how can you be such an idiot? How do you not believe this? And the liberal goes, how can you be so hard-headed? How can you not see what I'm seeing? And it's because we're approaching it through the lens of our bias, our presuppositions, our history, what we want to be true. Like that's, that's a, that's a big part of this, just our desires, our emotions. And so whatever, I'm not saying I know what that was for Rhett or for anybody else who's deconstructed and people are complex and nuanced and I respect that. But at the same time, because we have something eating away inside of us that says, like, as we grow up, our history, our traditions, everything else starts to say, I wish this was true. 
I wish this group wasn't marginalized. I wish this, this, I wish that hell doesn't, that didn't exist or mm-hmm. that the, the commandments of God weren't there so I could live my life all right. And then what we do is we, through that bias, rally information according to our perspective to validate that everyone does that. At one point, Rhett makes some type of claim that, that I wish Christians to just see this, mm-hmm. this information. And, you know, obviously we want to respect him, but like, it feels a tad bit disrespectful to say that because really brilliant Christians have looked at this information and have surveyed this and do believe similar to how he is about specifically retroviruses or chromosomal evidence, and yet still see that as evidence for the existence of a creator instead of evidence against the existence of a creator. All right, let's talk vestigial structures. This made me just question like all this stuff, you've been told all this stuff, like I had been told that there were no transitional fossils. There were no transitional forms. There's no transitional b- between th- this animal and this animal. So don't say like from, from, does the Bible say there's no transitional fossils? Like I, he's saying like things that people say all the time as if one person tells him this or a hundred people tell him this, that, that, that they have to be right. Or if they are wrong, then the Bible's wrong. Like he has this flawed logic, in my opinion, as he steps down a lot yeah. of these. Yeah, paths, the, but... the Bible never speaks to that. And it's important to note that that is once again something that's risen in the last 200 years of Christianity, that the idea being if, if evolution exists, we would find a lot of these transitional fossils. And he's saying we have found lots and lots of them. And so it proves, although it doesn't prove, it doesn't disprove, it doesn't prove either just because we find what we think to be transitional fossils, which scientists still are very broadly right. disagreed on exactly. across the board. Maybe these are mutations. Maybe these are animals we have not previously discovered. We don't know what all these are, but some scientists will say they're transitional fossils. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting to go down some of these paths. And I think he's a little older than I am, but I'm 35, been a Christian 25 plus years, gone to Christian school, gone to church all my life. I've never had like I've never dug deep into transitional fossils or fused chromosomes. Or it's like I feel like when you go down that path, you are looking for something, right? I, mean, I know there so, are certain people yeah. that they dedicate their lives on the Christian yeah. side yeah. to using this stuff to help prove Christianity yeah. and to help point in certain directions. I think it can be dangerous sometimes to try to you know use science to try to prove the Bible. I think that the Bible is legitimate, and it's funny when stuff happens where you know like that was it the Hittite. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. forever people were like, oh, there's no mention of the Hittites. There's no mention of the Hittites. And then it's like, oh, boom, there is. Yeah. And I think that's the faith part of it. And people can call it dumb faith or stu- like you, I must be stupid or unintelligent yeah. for believing this without digging into this stuff, which is fine. That's fair. That could be true. Um, but honestly, like I feel like in order to have these arguments to try to prove or disprove Christianity with this kind of argument – You've got to be looking to disprove it. Yeah, I mean, on the next episode, we're going we're to talk about the archaeological and historical mm-hmm. evidence surrounding Scripture and that there is great validity and substantive evidence to validate Scripture. Um, and so we'll, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But for now, I would say I have dug a little bit more, maybe not as much sure. as Rhett has, into vestigial structures, which we're about to talk about, and into chromosomal evidence and into this transitional fossils and whether or not Once again, there are many, many brilliant Christians who believe in large-scale theistic evolution, believe in transitional fossils, believe that that organisms developed over time, and they still have an ardent love for Christ. And there might be disagreement within the Christian community on that, but it doesn't disprove Christianity because there are or are not transitional fossils. And I would say that you're generally more skeptical about your faith than I am. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think that 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 makes sense, that you would like dive into that stuff more than I would. Uh, let's, Let's listen to the rest of his explanation, though. 
Well, it turns out there's a lot of them. There's a lot of very convincing ones. Uh, I've been told that there were really no vestigial structures, that there's nothing on your body or an animal's body that's like a sign of something that's no longer being used. There's always a use for it and we keep finding those use for it. Well, it turns out there's lots of examples of vestigial structures. In fact, there's many structures that there's no other way to properly understand them other than them being vestigial, meaning that they're from the past, they're no longer in use. So the issue here is and in all fairness to Rut, we're trying to elevate ourselves to a position that if this is this is very post-enlightenment 19th century, where humanity began to say, if I don't understand it, it can't be valid or real. We've talked about that a lot on our podcast before, which is just crazy to think about because there's so many things in the world I don't understand. I don't understand how they work. But to say that because we don't have an answer, because I don't have an answer, because many scientists don't have an answer for what is perceived to be a vestigial structure. Um, like, for example, 50 years ago, tonsils that were just ripped out. And now it's like, oh, dang, that's part of the immune system. Like that out actually helps protect our bodies. But because at the time we were like, we don't see any use for these. Let's just take them out of children. Like now we see a use for them. So when it comes to like, I don't even know, like the it, muscles in the ear, the appendix, just because we might not know fully, that might, that might, it seems intellectually that it would be consistent, more consistent to say, what if we don't have the information yet? Then, then, but even then, if there is something that we've kind of evolved and we don't need anymore, that once more doesn't, doesn't negate creation and the idea that God has set nature and science in place and presides over it and that nature and science are running its course in a broken world. That just, the, the argument doesn't stand up to scrutiny. Enlighten me here. Cause I, again, yeah, yeah. I don't, I feel like I grew up in the Christian bubble. Do, are there Christian apologists that actually try to use vestigial structures to try to prove or disprove Christianity? Like that is such a weird argument to there, me to think that there be might some. be something in our body that we don't use anymore or, or to say there's nothing in our body that doesn't have a use and if there sure. ever was something in our body that didn't have a use, then God didn't create us. Look, we, when we start asking the question of are there, the answer is always yes. Guess, there's there's yeah, people guess. out there on the margin somewhere. so weird. But, but I don't – look, and I don't want to like disrespect anybody who would say there's nothing in our body we just don't know yet. That's a theory as well. But what Rhett's projecting is a theory also that he's saying as if it's factual – that these vestigial structures have no use. We don't know. And that proves That's that Christianity is false. That somehow. It proves evolution, the evolutionary process. That's right? what this whole conversation is about. And what we keep going back to is many, many <laughs> brilliant Christians for many, many centuries have believed in an old earth and in God and, and, and God's humans can place. evolve. Right. Yeah. So so it just doesn't he, he's going off of his upbringing in the in the dirty south of that the only way you can be a Christian is to believe the seven day literal creation story. Right. And I'm not saying that's invalid, but I'm saying it's invalid to say that's the only way you can be a Christian, though. Like the, the seven day creation might be true. God might create it with, with age. To be honest with you, I'm kind of un, undetermined on that. But but the, re, the reality is what Christianity clearly espouses biblically is that God created it all, set it in place. And that that therefore allows for transitional fossils within that framework. I agree. That's what that's what I'm trying to do. Structures, dumb, all, but, all this yeah. stuff. No, no, it completely allows for it. But for somebody who hasn't. On the converse side of where you are, 
where you're saying, I haven't stated, maybe there's somebody who's trying to disprove Christianity. They haven't stated, this sounds really fascinating. Right. This sounds like great evidence. Yeah. He says it as if it's a fact. And, um, and we just don't know. We don't know the, the usage of certain things in the body that the, we the, might know a hundred years from now. The Bible doesn't say like God created Adam with tonsils for this reason. Yeah. Like it just doesn't, that's, yeah. that's why I feel like I'm open to, you know, different definitions. I'm, I'm open with people being wrong and coming yeah. back and changing yeah. things like, which we're going to hear right now with Christians resistance to science. Cause I really do want to yeah. talk about this for a second yeah. about how this is funny to me. This is funny. I didn't want to believe this. It was incredibly problematic. And there were plenty of Christians who are very smart Christians, smarter than me, who didn't believe in it, who I could have just, I could have stayed in that camp. But I just, in my heart, I didn't feel like it. I felt like I had to follow the truth. I thought that my tr so, he, so he just makes an admission there, which which we all both do as well. In his heart, he had to follow what he believed to be the truth. Yeah. Is what he means, which we all do the same. That's that's a that's faith. What he's describing, right? Yeah, so he believed I, I think the what truth based on what his heart was telling. What like can happen a lot of times is that Christians can be demonized for following our hearts, right? Because the world is following their heads, and it's kind of like they're more enlightened. He's admitting, and I appreciate that he is. He's going, no, there was something within me Agreed. that said, this is what's right. And I'm not condemning him and it for wasn't, it. And then I gathered the information. Right. To, I'm just saying that. that's yeah, the truth. Exactly. That's the truth. Yeah. The truth had to be more important than my commitment to my beliefs. It had to be more important than my ideology. And I, and I want to say that about, there's the- Again, I just really quickly, or your ideology is changing and you're, you're making everything conform to your new ideology. Yeah. That's what it sounds like versus- Oh, I, I, I have this ideology, but things, you know, the truth is going against. It's like, or your ideology used to be this, but now in the new world that you live in, this is your new ideology. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to me. And I, I'm just trying to be like, not trying to be like a jerk or anything right. at all. But it's fascinating that someone would say, someone who now self-proclaims himself to be agnostic, which literally means in the Greek, without knowledge, would say the truth is more important right. than my beliefs. He has arrived upon no truth. Like there's no truth. Yet you know. he claims absolute truth throughout this video. Yeah. Like that this is yeah. true. These chromosomes are fused. This is a transitional fossil. With, with if anybody wanted to be a jerk, and again, I'm not a scientist, so sure. a lot of this stuff I'm like listening to or kind of talking through, but I do argue about words and definitions yeah. for a living. It's like, let's define what you actually mean by some of this stuff. And then let's see if we can have two very highly praised experts like you've been saying the whole time that totally disagree. So yeah. now what is the truth? You have to make a judgment call. You have to make a judgment that, call. That's yeah. what it comes down to, which is where the word judge comes from in these cases. Like yeah. that's the point. There's, you're producing evidence from two people that believe two different things and are making an argument. And then one person has to make a call. And in our own worlds, we are the judge. We do make the call after listening to the arguments and evidence. And that's what he's done. And that's but fine. We but listen, I, we, Rhett, we do the same thing Rhett does. People do the same thing Rhett does, which is why it's so important in the Christian and non-Christian community that we try to set aside our bias, that we mm -hmm. first of all diagnose that we have that. We try to set aside because what we're doing is we're looking at the evidence, but we're looking at it through a pair of glasses that we wear on how we see the world based on our culture, our upbringing, our traditions, our feelings, our bias. And if what, you change the glasses, it's going to look different. Yes, exactly. And so what seems to happen is, I think that's a great observation, is it seems like at some point in time, Rhett took off a certain pair of glasses with a Christian worldview and put on another pair, you can call it skeptical glasses or a non-Christian worldview and said, okay, now I'm going to look at all the evidence that I looked at formerly through a different pair of lens. I'm gonna look at it now through a skeptical, unbelieving lens and I have to follow that. But, but we can't discredit that we're all looking through a pair of lens, including Rhett. 
and and I think it's important for us to say we believe as Christians that there are people that don't believe in Christianity, yeah. that don't believe the Bible's true, that do believe differently from us. Those people exist. Those people are real. We love those people. But like, it, it's okay to have these conversations and not judge people by Rhett's definition, meaning hate yeah. them. Like yeah. we don't hate exactly. Rhett. Yeah. We want to learn from Rhett. We want to make sure people get a full picture for what he's describing, I guess. That's Definitely. what we're trying to do is yeah. like give a full picture. And we encourage people to to watch this and listen to this in its entirety. Like we said, it's yeah. hours and hours of of him talking. So we can't play the entire thing on Definitely. here, but we are trying to give some of the arguments that really rocked his world, yeah. as he said. Plenty of Christian apologists and Christian, uh, you know, smart Christian people. I would say just creationists who deny evolution. I don't think that they're being deliberately deceptive. I want to be clear about that. I, I don't think these people are sitting around there like, oh, we see these facts and we're going to misrepresent them because we, we're going to lie about this. And I'll bring this back to the court analogy. Both sides are not misrepresenting things or lying. Yeah, yeah. They're both explaining what they believe to be true. Just like he's saying Christian apologist versus what he believes now. They're both, I don't think he's trying to deceive people. Yeah. I believe Rhett believes this stuff that he's saying. Yeah. But there are people that believe the opposite like he's saying. But, but I... Oh, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, like, just be listening. If you're watching or you're listening, be listening to this. Just what he just said something that's we, we've been harping on that there are many really smart creationists who deny evolution. There are also many smart creationists who affirm evolution. Exactly. So just because you're a creationist doesn't mean that you deny all aspects Depends on your of definition evolution. of yeah. evolution. Yes, that's exactly. the whole yeah. point is, but, yeah. and I will say we're harping on red here. It's really hard to sit here and talk for an hour and 45 minutes about this and yeah. not give some words that somebody sure, can pick sure, apart sure, and say, yeah. oh, you didn't define that. So I just, for our, fair, he, for, for any listeners, I'm just going, if you're you, thinking you don't, you don't this, it doesn't have to be like you, you put yourself in a narrow hallway and that's all you can believe right. there are while christianity is a belief in the authority of scripture and the resurrection of jesus and the sovereignty of god and salvation and redemption then all christians agree on that true christians there's a lot of nuance when it comes to some of these other aspects that that Rhett seems to be saying no no mm -hmm. that christians all believe a certain way about creation or about science that they just don't and that's really important as a takeaway and anybody that is thinking through this stuff right like, make sure you have definitions or look up definitions of this stuff before you just believe what we say or what he says. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, that's, absolutely. that's important. I, I think that they're good people. But I think that they're so committed to their belief system that they have become impervious to pretty straightforward information about this subject. I do think that that's a, that, that's a little condescending. That's, that's funny. Pretty it's... straightforward <laughs> information. And they're impervious. Like we're, yes. uh, anyway, like we're so, we're so stupid. Like yeah. oh, these poor people are so dumb. Yet he just you know? said he was one of us yeah. and he wasn't impervious yeah, to exactly. it. So why are all exactly. of us? Maybe we're not. That was funny. But, but I mean, I do affirm what he's saying that like, like politically, religiously, yes. socially, we bind to something so much that, that's why most people past the age of like 25, they never change their mind about any <laughs> important topics ever again in their life because they are impervious to that. So that's fair. It's just, it's it doesn't, it doesn't only apply to Christians. Right. Like it's across the board with exactly. a lot of people. Exactly. But the thing that that did for me is I had placed a lot of faith, not just in God, but in these people who helped me understand why I believed what I believed from an intellectual standpoint, right? I had a very real, emotional, personal, spiritual relationship with God that I was practicing. But there was this intellectual foundation that I would, whenever I had a doubt, I would kind of retreat to this intellectual foundation. And all of a sudden, 
those people I'd been trusting in, I began to doubt that I had been shown the truth or told the truth about other things, right? So this, he's talking a lot about the, he's talked a lot about the books he's read, the authors he's read, some Christian people, some non-Christian people, whatever it may be, and how he put way too much trust in them. And we've talked about this before in that I think, you know, the theologians we have writing books, doing podcasts, yeah. giving sermons that we can listen to and watch later are a huge help. But this is showing the danger of, and, and John Piper talks about all the time, especially on, in the new year, talking about reading the actual Bible and having head go to heart and understanding yep. and, and living it. This is the importance of having your own personal relationship, reading the Bible for what it says yourself, understanding itself, and not just listening to what some guy says or yeah. some gal says that when they fall, your whole world crumbles. And we've talked about this on multiple podcasts I mean, he, he goes on to talk about how he, now he respects Bart Erdman, who's the professor of New Testament mm -hmm. scholar at, at Chapel Hill. Um, and there's others that he references. I've looked at their books and, um, and they're scholars and they're smart people. But it's not that he like totally opened up his mind and went away from respecting anybody. He shifted in who his respect, you know, his allegiance was to, so to speak. Um, there is a benefit across all of scholasticism, be it Christian or not Christian, in reading people who have a brilliant mind, who can articulate things in ways we have not yet thought through, or maybe our mind can't process that information without reading somebody like that. Um, there's great commentators, there's great scholars, there's great psychologists, and and philosophers, whatever. And those are all good. Like we're all, but our faith, our system of value as Christians, you know, has to be, and I would say this for everybody, your system of value is built on something that you prize as the highest authority. Like, so for Christians, we get a, a once again, a, a bad rap because we say well, the Bible is our highest system of authority. For red, it seems like science is. Um, for some people, logic would be, for some people, their education would be, for a lot of people, their emotion and their feeling or their experience is. But they, everyone's submitting to a, a certain degree. Otherwise, it, it really is a free-for-all. And no one actually believes that. No one actually believes that humanity is free to do whatever they want. And like, no, like uh, we would say you're free to believe what you want as long as it doesn't affect other people negatively. And so there's a value to these influences that we look at, these apologists, these scientists, Christian scientists, uh, philosophers, theologians, but our faith has to be grounded on that which is fully and finally authoritative. And that's why it shouldn't, we shouldn't make apology to say, I just believe the Bible. God has convinced me that it's true. Yeah, there, there's a lot of credible sources that substantiate the claims of scripture, but at the end of the day, there is a leap of faith to believe that science holds all the answers, to believe that logic holds all the answers, to believe that philosophy holds all the answers, that history holds, or that for us, scripture holds all the answers. And I think that's, the, I actually believe that's the smallest leap of faith, to believe that scripture holds all the answers. I, I, when you talk about the fact that science and you elevate science, which so many people do in this, these types of arguments, and then especially say I deconstructed because people told me something, or I feel like I read the Bible and it told me something that I felt like wasn't true or changed. And, and most of the time, this is people's interpretation of the Bible or what they believe the Bible says or means. And then yet to say you stand firm on your foundation to science, because that is something you can hold true to. That is absolute truth. It doesn't change. They do the investigation. They have smart people looking into stuff, doing these, you know, uh, experiments in yeah. labs and digging into people's DNA and whatever. And it's like, you think about science for like three seconds and you realize, now it's been months since your sermon about the planets, but Pluto yeah, was a planet yeah, yeah. when I was in school and now it's not. And then now it may be again. And we just believe that and we're like, yeah. okay, 
Pluto is a planet. Am I ever going to go out to Pluto or check all the planets and count them all like we see on diagrams and pictures when we learn in school? No, none of us do that. We just believe it. Then when they tell us Pluto is no longer a planet, when they're the ones in the first place that told us it was a planet, that's okay. We still believe it. How about medication or hernia mesh surgery where they've created this great mesh that's really going to help us in these hernia surgeries? Like, oh, oops. That mistake of science actually killed tons of people and caused yeah. class action lawsuits where we're suing all the companies that made this stuff. Well, that's science. That's yeah. science failing. But it doesn't believe it doesn't mean I'm not going to like take antibiotics next time I get yeah. sick when my doctor prescribes me this antibiotics. I don't just throw away all of science because one thing was wrong that somebody told me yeah. about science. And I think what's so for me, I'm going to come at this a little bit different mm -hmm. and say I, I agree with you completely on that. But philosophically, which Rhett seems like somebody who would appreciate philosophy, philosophically, non like you read God Delusion by Richard, Dawk uh, Richard Dawkins, mm -hmm. um, or you read the works of Stephen Hawking or Neil deGrasse Tyson, like you read these brilliant scientists or whatever, and they can tell you that they have an answer for um, how it works, like scientifically, chemically, for us to be kind to each other. The evolutionary process would dictate that that advances civilization or whatever. But they can't tell us ultimately why that's important or right or wrong. Dawkins even says that there is no right and wrong. Science doesn't answer the question of morality for us. It doesn't tell us why these things. And for me, that's a big deal because while I can appreciate science and it helps me to understand the world in which we live, it doesn't answer the most pressing questions. So right at the end goes, well, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow morning and be unkind to my wife or cheat on my wife or be hateful toward my children. And I understand that he's saying, I think he's saying, um, well, because that helps with all of civilization and all that. But then you still die. Like, you know, the, the world the world is over, life is over. And it doesn't answer these biggest, most haunting questions that I really think he gets to at the very end of this video. Somebody watches the whole thing where it's like, I don't know. I don't know now. I've come to the point of unraveling my entire faith to the point there is really no purpose. There is really no ultimate meaning. There is no ultimate truth in this. And that's because science is not designed to give us those things, to, to answer this question. And it's funny, he doesn't even like leave out of the question that he may come back to Christianity. Yeah. Like it's like, that could be a possibility as well. And when we talk about influence, and we may have talked about some one of the other parts, a lot of people follow Rhett, like yeah. in his family, like Link, like, you know, a lot yeah. of people, Rhett's wife, like they followed him away from Christianity, which talks about the influence people have on other people in their lives, which sure. is not right or wrong. It's just true. Yeah, like that, sure. that happens. So yeah. So I think there's a lot more to unpack about what he says. There's a lot more from Rhett coming in the future two parts, but I think this main objection and resistance to science that Christians have, I think A is not true, but B, when you compare Christianity to science, it's not smart people are believe in science and dumb people believe in Christianity because a lot of Christians believe in science, yeah. but a lot of definitions are different. A lot of the ways that we look at things are different and science is wrong all the time too. Yeah. I mean, not, not, I say too, not to say that the Bible is wrong all the time, but there are going to be people who call themselves Christians who do write books, have podcasts, try to make certain arguments that are going to end up being wrong. I mean, like, that's going to happen. Look, when you look, it's so easy once again to go, Let's take a hundred of the most brilliant intellectuals in the world and go, well, 12 of them are atheists or agnostic right. and so whatever. But it's, you know, Keller talks about in Reason for God and, uh, and in his follow-up book, um, Making Sense of God. And uh, D.A. Carson talks about this as well. Jordan Peterson, who's not even like a Judeo-Christian as we would understand it, talks about the that Christianity is on the rise in the West. 
like thoughtful Christianity and scholastic communities that used to be 3% were Christians as far as teachers and scholars went. And now that's significantly on the rise. Um, people like uh, Jordan Peterson going on Rogan's podcast and talking about how the Bible is, how we understand the world. Um, a guy who fully believes in science, he's a freaking psychologist, mm -hmm. but he understands that scripture has answers that science does not. Um, that Christianity has answers, really important, pressing, bigger questions, answers, I think, than these, this, some of these, what I would gauge to be some of these small things like vestigial structures and, and the other things we talked about in this, that, that whether those are true or not, don't answer the most pressing questions upon our souls that Christianity does, in fact, answer. Um, and that I think Rhett is searching for. Like it's haunted by to some extent when you watch him and listen to him. And so that's all we have time for on this episode. There are two more follow-up episodes to this. Uh, appreciate your comments. Write in, respond, and uh, keep watching. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.